0: Scripture reading this morning will be from Romans 5, 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of our God has been poured out in in our hearts by, by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's good to be with you this morning. Cindy and I have had the privilege of being with you this year, more than one time. And so we're glad to, again, renew our friendship and fellowship with you and to be among you this morning. We're going to be talking about how to have faith this morning, a solid faith. In fact, a rock solid faith. And many people think that faith is just wishful thinking. It's like a blind faith. But that's not biblical faith at all. God never asks us to believe anything without solid evidence for it. He does not ask you to believe he exists blindly. His existence is evident in the world around us. And he does not want us to believe what he says blindly. No, we have evidence for his word and eyewitnesses that give us their accounts. We could be assured of a rock solid faith. And we're going to begin with a medley this morning that deals with the idea of a rock solid faith. It's a prayer that our faith will not shrink, will not be ashamed, will not cave in. And then we'll follow that, the next slide. Ah, my. Let's see if we can move the next slide. There we go. To increase our faith, Lord, increase our faith that we may be like the faithful saints of old who stood steadfast. Oh, for a faith that will not shrink. This is the, to the tune of I'm not ashamed to own my Lord. Oh, soul. oh for a faith that will not shrink. Though pressed by every foe, that will not tremble on the brink of any earth. Oh, uh-huh. to have a rock-solid faith. Again, from our text, Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. The demands of life demand the faith that can measure up. (coughs) There have been Christians throughout the ages who have been tested and failed. They were blown about by circumstances. They were troubled, they were distracted, they were weakened. And their faith gave way to pressure and cares. As our Lord describes in Matthew 13 beginning at verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. But endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, he immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and proves unfruitful. So these would-be believers sought the least lines of least resistance and compromised. They were unable to stand in the storms of life. From Matthew 7, 26, our Lord says "And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Brethren, in our culture, the rain is definitely falling. The floods are rising higher, and the winds are increasing. And if we do not have a solid faith, our spiritual life is doomed to collapse and fail. We do not want a faith that will fold up and give up. We want a faith that will look up and stand up. In order to have such a faith, we need a foundation. We need a plan. And God has that for us. God is in the business of building saints. As Paul says in Philippians, the first chapter, at verse 6. And I am sure of this. What is that, Paul? What are you so sure of? That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is not finished he's never finished with us he's constantly working building us so Roman 5 gives us a solid word for an uncertain age therein is presented at least four steps to a rock solid faith conflict constancy character confidence. Let us pray. Our Father, we yearn to have a firm, strong faith that can withstand what this culture is throwing at us, demanding of us. Help us, Father, to stand on the promises of your word, to stand on your character, and to be faithful to the end with joy, with confidence, and with hope in our hearts. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Step one is conflict. What a place to start. But we must start there. Again, from our reading In Romans 5, beginning at verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace at which we stand. And we rejoiced in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When God saves you what is the result? Peace or tribulation? The answer is Yes. Verse 1 says we have peace with God as a result of being justified by faith. We have access to grace and we stand in that grace and we rejoice in hope. But verse 3 says we also have suffering in which we can rejoice. Isn't that interesting? In salvation, God not only gives us peace but He allows tribulation. When God builds in us a rock-solid faith, He includes conflicts, persecution, affliction, distress, and tribulation. This is what God wants us to know and understand. Conversion brings conflict. Not only that, He says, but we rejoice in our sufferings, more than just rejoicing in the hope we have at salvation, we rejoice in suffering. Thayer says this is a pressing, a pressing together, a pressure. The term is used of crushing grapes and olives to obtain juice and oil. Very graphic picture of being stomped on. It's a Greek metaphor regarding oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress, difficulties. God allows pressure in our lives because without it we cannot be a strong saint. We need conflict, we need pressure. Are you having trouble, heartache, difficulties? Remember, God is in control. The word luck does not belong in a believer's vocabulary. I never say anymore, good luck. James tells us what to say, chapter 4 at 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. The word fate also is not in the Christian world of view. Paul tells us in Acts 17 at 27, Yet He is actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being. It's because of Him that we exist and that we live, that we breathe. God is watching over us, even if we don't understand everything. As someone has said, where reason cannot wade, their faith must swim. God doesn't tell us everything in advance. In this life, we don't have to wait to know everything in advance before we make a decision or else we would never do anything. No. When we come to Jesus, we come to conflict and to pressure. He may come from different sources at different times in different ways. But God is in control. You see, Satan wants conflict to make us stumble. But God allows it to make us stand. Well, there are sources of conflict, causes. One is the world. What do we mean by world? It's the realm of thoughts and actions that are opposed to God. Romans 12 and verse 2 do not be conformed, do not be shaped to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The world tries to squeeze us in its mold. Outward pressure is applied every day. We feel it in the entertainment, on the job, in the school, in the media, socially and politically. The world comes at us in so many ways. Well, another cause of conflict is the flesh, that is, wrongful selfish desires. James 1 at 14, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. We still need to put off, put off those wrong desires and behavior and we're never going to get past it in this life because there's a continuing civil war within us as Paul describes in Galatians 5 at verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Our fleshly desires say one thing, the spirit says another. The flesh resists the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh. We must choose who we're going to listen to, what influence we are going to yield to. Our flesh is trying to pressure us to be conformed to this world, but the Spirit wants us to live by His desires as revealed in His word of truth. Well, we have another opponent, a source of conflict, it's Satan. He's been allowed to exist by God for a purpose. He fulfills God's purpose. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 at verse 8, those familiar words, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. He can be resisted. How? Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. It's being successfully done around the world. You can too. Believers know the power of Satan and the pressure he applies. If you're not having any spiritual difficulty, you might want to check which way you're going. His way or the Lord's way. Those committed to God will face resistance from Satan. As Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It may vary in degree and timing and ways, but it's there. Well... Surprisingly, God. God brings conflict into our lives with a purpose. Hebrews 12, at verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom he receives. God applies the pressure of discipline in our lives. When push comes to shove, he wants us to be holy, not happy. Now this world, and even religious people, think God wants them to be happy without being holy. That that cannot be. True happiness, joy, comes when we're holy first. Trial and testing are a part of the growth and process of our faith. The first step in building a rock-solid faith, then, is conflict. We should expect it. Why? Because it's normal. It's the norm. Look at the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 1 at verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Much affliction, they received salvation, but it was with the joy of of the Holy Spirit. Whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Conflict. Second step is constancy. Constancy. Conversion brings conflict and conflict teaches us constancy. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Thayer said, this is steadfastness, constancy, endurance. In the New Testament, it is characteristic of one who is unaltered from a deliberate purpose. They remain loyal to faith and holiness, even in the greatest trials and sufferings. When pressure and crisis comes, when they come, it does not make you, but reveals what you are made of. As James said in chapter 1 of verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you beat trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The same sun that melts ice hardens clay. Do you want strength, victory, prosperity and contentment? Most people do. How about patience, endurance, perseverance? Those are not so popular. But you cannot learn anything of value without them. To learn or accomplish anything, it takes consistency and constancy to build character you will have to persevere and you'll have to endure there's no instant maturity conversion brings conflict not just peace but conflict teaches continuance so what do you do when conflict comes do you retreat run away take a pill Escape through pleasure or entertainment? Or maybe resentment sets in. Now look what has happened to me. You become bitter and complain. Or how could God allow this? How could that happen to me? Or we can become victimized. That's a popular mode i deserve better god owes me i'm entitled or maybe we just resign cave in give up give in to discouragement become apathetic why even try or we can resolve god's plan for us is a stronger faith faith is shown more in patience and constancy than in any other way. Faith endures. How will you know that you have any unless you're tested? You won't. Abraham didn't. He didn't know until he was asked to sacrifice his son. Then he found out Faith is not receiving from God the things you want, as it is accepting from God the things that He gives. And you know, Job, I think, understood this. Job two at verse ten he says, Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Tribulation produces patience and endurance. Job said, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job would not let God go, even though he had many questions, many doubts, and struggled. He wouldn't let go of God. There may be some here today that are thinking about not coming anymore. You may think about being backing off and maybe Seeking somewhere else, maybe that's different, that doesn't follow God's way. Or you may be thinking, this is not working out for me. I don't really see it. No matter what happens, do not let go of God. William Barclay says this, It is not the patience that can sit down and bow its head and let things descend upon it and passively endure until the storm is past. It is the spirit which can bear things not simply with resignation but with blazing hope. It is not the spirit which sits statically enduring in one place but the spirit that bears things because it knows that these things are leading to a goal of glory. It is not patience which grimly waits for the end, but patience which radiantly hopes for the dawn. This is what the child of God has. This is what a rock-solid faith has. Step three. Character. Conversion brings conflict. Conflict teaches constancy. And constancy produces character. Paul says, "An endurance produces character. This means approvedness, a tried character. It's the process that the results of approving, of approval. It is being approved and accepted as the results of a trying process, character is the discipline to follow through with resolutions long after the spirit in which they were given has passed. James puts it this way. James 1 at 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Character has the ability to stand As gold tried by fire. and God wants to build in us character in a rock-solid faith. Reputation is what others think about you. But character is what God knows about you. So God wants to put us in the fire of affliction to attest us. If you cannot be tested, you cannot be trusted. We must learn how much we need to put off from our lives. We need to know what needs to be burned out of us to purify our hearts. The times we grow most in the Lord and our, or when our faith has to endure sorrow, pressure, and trouble. As the preacher of old says in Ecclesiastes 7-2, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it. To heart. The psalmist put it this way Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, now I keep your word. Someone wrote this little saying I walked a mile with pleasure, and she chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and not a word, said she, but, oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. God does not remove us from difficulty and pain because he is in the transformation business. You see, he does not take away evil. Why didn't he just take away evil to begin with? Because he transforms it. He did not stop the crucifixion, but he gave us the resurrection. Proof. God's method is not substitution. Most want God to give them Health instead of sickness, wealth instead of poverty, friendship instead of loneliness. But you see, God's method is transformation. Paul's weakness was transformed into strength, his suffering into glory. Joseph's humiliation of slavery was transformed into exaltation and deliverance. God, or Job, trusted in God's method, Job 23.10. But he knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. God wants character. We cannot expect to get it without enduring suffering and conflict. You stay in the fire because you know God is there and knows best. The refiner knows that his gold is pure when he can see his face reflected in it. And so God is looking for His character. He's looking for His likeness reflected in our lives. Ephesians 4 at 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He wants to look at us and see a reflection of his nature. If we are sons of God, there's going to be a family resemblance. God looks for that. Finally, number four, confidence. Conversion brings conflict. Conflict teaches constancy. Constancy produces character, and character produces confidence. And character produces hope. Titus 2 at 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The second coming of Of our Lord is a blessed hope. It's not a nice maybe. Hope is the anchor of the soul. From Hebrews 6 at verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. It reaches, it enters to where God is in heaven. What good is an anchor without a solid rock to attach to it? You have been through the fire and you know that God has not failed you. He has kept his word. Your faith has been tested and now you are assured and you're confident. You have blessed hope. Hope is faith in the future tense. It trusts God not only for the present but for the future. And hope can see heaven through the darkest of clouds. Hope is absolute confidence. We can have that. You can have that. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not disappoint because God does not disappoint. When you put your rock-solid faith in Jesus, you will never be ashamed or disappointed matthew 7 24 everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew beat on that house but it did not fall it was not disappointed it was not ashamed it stood because it had been founded on the rock you can have a rock solid faith that's what hope means And that's what hope is about. Well, let's reflect on what we've talked about this morning. Conversion brings conflict. Conflict teaches constancy. Constancy produces character. Add character produces confidence. The Hebrew writer in chapter 10 at verse 35 says, To those who are willing to give in, to give up, to go back to the past, to the world, what they knew. He says in chapter 10 of verse 35, Therefore do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, constancy, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. For, then he quotes, Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Can we say that? But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are not those people, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That's us. Character enables us to trust God in the darkest hour to preserve our souls. You do not have to live without hope and without God. Paul describes this of the Gentiles in Ephesians 2 at 12. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ. That's where we were. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel as strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. We do not want to be there. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Take hold of the promises of of God and have a rock solid faith. Look what he told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Usually we try to avoid fights and conflicts, and we should. But there's one fight we cannot avoid. It's the good fight. That's the one we want to be engaged in, the good one. Fight the good fight of faith. Then he says, take hold of eternal life. Take hold of it now, not later to which you were called and about which you made the, the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is the kind of faith that is a fighting faith. It's a courageous faith. It is anchored to the solid rock of eternal life. Take hold of it. We can be assured of going to heaven and be assured of our salvation. You can know if you're saved you can know if you're going to heaven the gift of salvation is yours you can be assured of it romans 8:37 no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us these things he's talking about are difficulties trials persecutions for i am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers presidents, congressmen, whoever. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do not live in doubt of your salvation. Do not live in doubt of going to heaven. The gift of salvation is yours. You could be assured of it. Acts 2 at verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's defined by the promise. For the promise, what's the promise? Back earlier, it's the end of Joel. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is how you do it. For the promises for you and for your children, everyone, Jew and Gentile, who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. This is how you know you could be saved, that you are saved. And there is no other way to know. The moment you came up out of the waters of baptism, that's it. You know. No doubt. So believe and turn your life around and follow Jesus. Be buried in the waters of baptism. Continue to obey our Lord. Yes, yes, you can have a rock-solid faith. We invite you to let your needs be known this morning. There are people willing here. To assist you and aid you God will be your guide and your assurance we're again going to sing a medley encouraging us to do that the solid rock that's which we can have a rock-solid faith on Jesus our Lord and then we're going to ask some questions about our faith and then we're going to answer it with resolve let's be standing then encouraging